0: Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by Brian and Paul. Hello. Welcome to episode 50.
1: For this special episode, we're going to briefly reminisce about the times when the phrase getting high didn't necessarily refer to blood pressure medication or cholesterol medication (laughs) or any other number of things.
2: (laughs) That's just so sad. (laughs) yeah i used to use my adhd meds for a completely different purpose back then
0: (laughs) well if you missed our last episode you should really check it out and the gang and i talked about the guess who wait no guess who the (laughs) game (laughs) not the band from the 60s (laughs) the who (laughs) all right well, you can find that and all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. I actually found mine at work today. It was Really? Weird. I was at work and I just like went into one of the machines and there it was.
1: Bada boom, bada bing. It's hard to beat that.
2: I often listen to podcasts at work, but I usually find them on my nightstand table when I wake up in the morning.
1: That's perfect.
0: Convenient.
2: Indeed.
1: I always thought Adam listened to podcasts while he twerked, but I'm glad he straightened that out for us. <laughs> well,
2: you know, that's, that's
0: the after twerk special.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> Adam after dark.
0: <laughs>
2: we really appreciate all our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some of the kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five star written review on iTunes or any other podcast listening platform, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks.
0: So here is this week's five star review. Yes, we actually have one. Woohoo! Woo! It's from It's Me Charlie. It says, I watched Sleepaway Camp when I was about 20, and that was my first rewatch, but it was fun with your interjections. By coincidence, I saw this within months of the crying game. Oh no. (laughs) Oh dear.
2: (laughs) That's a heck of a double feature right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I man. think
1: I think he's referring to our our recent release of the uh, commentary track that we did with Sleepaway Camp. So those of you out in the internet world who haven't listened to that yet, definitely uh, find the video on Amazon and then have the commentary accompanying it. It's a it's a hoot. It's a hoot.
0: We definitely had fun making that episode.
1: We sure did. Some of us more than others. It was my maiden voyage. so uh, <laughs> That
0: would emphasize me and Paul and not emphasize Brian.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you. It's me, Charlie. Five-star reviews are always encouraged. And be sure to tell your friends about Dating Ourselves podcast.
2: So who's ready to go rafting? Because huh? there's definitely white water ahead. Oh Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) I love the vote of confidence there. You don't believe I can steer this ship?
0: Oh, we we do right into the rocks.
2: (laughs) Are you saying this episode's going to cause a scandal?
0: <laughs> it could. It could. <laughs> oh well let's break out the cigars, shall we?
2: <laughs> That's right. Let's get this party started this week. I'm going to be leading a discussion on pop culture icon, Monica Lewinsky. Oh, is that what she is? <laughs> well we she'd have a handbag line, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't come up with a way to phrase it.
0: Pop into <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I do have to say, before we go any further, that I will do my best to keep our discussion of the subject matter at a PG-13 level, but I would not recommend that you let your younger children listen to this episode, because from topic alone, you can guess um, what Dark Holes we're going into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we're not talking about the inside of the handbags either, so... (laughs)
2: So if you are under 13, I would recommend that you don't tell your parents you listen to this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're about to get an education, That's as we right. all did at your age when we lived through this. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But I will stop interjecting and I will let Brian continue because I know he's jumping up and down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> partially impatient, partially have to pee. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, remember, we're going to pick the next episode's topic at the end of the show. It's going to be Nostalgic Combat.
2: Nostalgic combat. combat! That's
1: right. It's going to be me and Cheers, where everybody knows our names. Uh, and Adam with Firefly. So, Paul, tell us about White House interns.
2: Isn't Adam more qualified to talk about interns as he is also in pay?
0: Hey. I still haven't gotten upgraded yet. You guys said and you I, fixed the payroll system.
1: And I still haven't got my Americano. What's going on with that?
2: <laughs> Cigars for everybody.
0: Go ahead and start. I'll be back with your dang Americana. <laughs>
1: Americano, not americano, unless you want to bring me an offspring CD. That's fine too.
0: (laughs) Well, well, don't worry. Regardless of which one it is, it's going to be extremely hot and end up in your lap. So, oh my! (laughs) I don't think you'll be able to sue.
2: (laughs) McDonald's already covered that. The (laughs) beverage you're about to enjoy is incredibly hot.
0: Uh, gotta love those frivolous lawsuits. Yeah.
2: So
1: speaking of hot beverages, let's talk about Monica Lewinsky.
2: (laughs) I was just gonna say. I was just about to say. All right, enough stalling. Let's just dive into the uncomfortableness that is about to occur.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do have to say, I really liked that uh, that slide there
2: for Brian. (laughs) That that was smooth, man. So, as we have mentioned several times, uh, Monica Lewinsky is a notorious White House intern from the late 90s, but Monica Lewinsky was born in San Francisco, uh, grew up in an affluent home in Southern California, and attended Santa Monica College before going on to Lewis and Clark uh, College in Oregon. Before I did research for this topic, I did not know there was a Lewis and Clark College. I am not surprised that it is in Oregon.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had no idea.
2: And I'm kind of sad. Does anybody want to venture a guess that uh, what Monica Lewinsky's major was when she was in college? Communications? That would have been my guess as well, because that's kind of what she, you know, settled on later in life. But her uh, bachelor's degree is in psychology. Really? Interesting. Freudian, I'm assuming. (laughs) 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 I'm just sad I didn't think of that joke.
1: (laughs) Have you guys seen that meme about uh, Pink Freud? Dark side of your mom? It's it's, it's really good. Really good. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's awesome.
2: So speaking of people's parents, Monica's parents uh, had a bunch of connections into... uh, democratic politics and with the election of bill clinton and i'm assuming some heavy heavy donor money um so with the assistance of family connections monica was able to uh, acquire an unpaid summer internship at the white house in 1995 Uh, she moved to a paid position in legislative affairs later that december But the unpaid part is important because does anybody remember what happened in July July of 1995? Uh, Crickets? Not in particular. There was a government shutdown, which was a lot more rare than it is today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
2: (laughs) And during the 1995 government shutdown... Um, most of the staffers that were allowed to stay at the White House were interns because they were unpaid and they did not have to vacate their positions. That's
1: messed up. That makes sense, Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So even in the 90s, the younger generation was still getting screwed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So before I can continue the story, we have to talk about Bill and Hillary Clinton, because um, obviously that's what Monica's most famous for. But uh, <clears throat> as I stated, that uh, Monica was able to attain this internship because her parents were big donors to the Democratic Party. And Bill Clinton was the first Democratic president to be elected in, what, 30 years? Pretty close? Yeah. At least three presidents.
1: Yeah, because Carter was bef- the last before him. Yeah, so...
2: Yeah. yeah, it was a while. 70, 70,
0: 70... 73?
1: Well, he was right before Reagan, right? So he'd been like late 70s. Right?
2: I believe it was late 70s, yes, because Reagan was 80s, but to be honest, that was before I paid attention to politics, so I can't keep those dates straight in my head. I was hoping the history teacher would back me up.
1: Yeah, 77 through 81 was when he was president.
2: Okay. So... Bill Clinton was the first elected uh, Democratic president in X number of years. And before that, he was the governor of Arkansas. And for the most part, he has always been touted in scandal. Just sort of wherever he goes, there's always allegations. There's bad land deals. You name it. Something always surrounds the Clinton household. Yeah. Um it's worth noting that the Clintons were not necessarily wealthy people in comparison to politicians of today. The governor of Arkansas wasn't a very high paid position. Uh, Hillary Clinton was a well-known lawyer, but at a very small office relative to Arkansas. So while they were big names and they were powerful in Arkansas politics, they weren't Really,
1: like national players, yeah, they exactly.
2: Were... And so Bill kind of shot to um the nation's eye as he was kind of a he was a pop culture phenomenon. He was relatively younger than George Bush. Um, he went on MTV, he played the saxophone, he appeared to, or, you know, he appealed to younger voters and he appealed to hippies parents who were kind of from that same era. Like they just sort of were drawn to him. He was very, he is very charismatic.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And even back when he was the governor of Arkansas, he had a reputation for, Being a womanizer, but it was really only known inside of Arkansas. At the national level, not a lot of this stuff was known yet. They only saw the MTV saxophone playing Bill Clinton. And I do have to say, do you guys remember Bill Clinton playing saxophone on MTV?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wasn't it on a talk show? I thought it was on like Maury or something like that. that Thought it was.
2: uh, I think it was Arsenio Hall, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so you're right. Arsenio Hall, yep. It was on Arsenio Hall, but I thought he did it on MTV as well. I know he did um several interviews on MTV. I thought he yeah. played saxophone on MTV. I think he
0: did that too. He might have. I just always remember hearing Yeah. It. I just always remember oh. hearing it referenced as him going on Arsenio to do that.
2: Oh, he definitely did go on Arsenio Hall. Ooh ooh but- ooh ooh. ooh, ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then he was also on The Animaniacs playing the sax, so
2: That's true. Um, I was actually I was going to bring that up is uh, in the song The Presidents of the United States on Animaniacs, which is still how I remember the presidents in order. Don't remember years, obviously. But if I if someone asked me to write down the presidents on a chalkboard at the front of the classroom, I would literally be singing the song in my head as I'm writing the president's. And the, you know, second to last line of the song is, and in Washington today are the Clintons, Bill and Hillary. Nice. Um, And in that it showed the, uh, it showed characters of them. that had super big heads and it accented um, both uh, Hillary's teeth and Bill's saxophone. And I, even as a kid, I always thought that was like really unflattering, even though Mm -hmm. I find it hilarious. I just always thought that was a very unflattering character character of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I remember even in the Animaniacs theme song, the second verse is like, you know, we're Animaniacs. Dot is cute and Yakko yaks. Wacko packs away the snacks while Bill Clinton plays the sax. (laughs) We're Animaniacs. Like it definitely mentions Bill Clinton in the in the song,
2: which is that's funny. I think very amusing. I had completely forgotten about that. (laughs) Yep. But that just kind of lends credence to like. When he came on the scene and became a national player, he entered into pop culture very quickly. And, you know, he had he had haters and he had lovers, but he definitely was a um, definitely was bigger than life in U.S. politics at the time that he entered. Certainly more than George Bush and certainly more than Bob Dole later. Mm -hmm. Yes. But. Speaking of lovers, the first one we need to bring up is a woman named Jennifer Flowers. Yes. Jennifer Flowers was a nightclub singer in Arkansas, and she was the first person to publicly um, admit to having an affair with Bill Clinton. And the only reason that this is significant is because it is the first in a trend that um, I shouldn't sit there. I'm sure there were more before this, but this was the first time that an accusation came forward that he had an affair that he did not deny. Mm. And in local politics, it actually helped to strengthen his image because it was the first time that Hillary kind of did the I stand by my man pres- present mistakes, which was definitely... Something that she still sticks by to this day, which I find interesting. But hey, you know, whatever works for the Clintons, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's their motto too.
2: <laughs> so around the time that this broke news, um, there was also the uh, white. Wa- there was also the Whitewater land deal. Uh, whitewater was a piece of investment property that was bought per, or that was invested in with questionable funds and fell th- uh fell through and this led to a public investigation by independent counsel Ken Starr um oh, yeah. and it was it was kind of the uh forerunner to his presidential campaign so he started on he started his initial presidential campaign with like two scandals in the books. And that was part of why he did the wicked press tour in order to kind of expel his image, you know, his Arkansas image and bring him to the national stage. And for the public eye, people were aware of it, but I don't remember too many people caring.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it was, it was definitely not something that was discussed too much, at least not that I can recall.
2: Right. And I have to bring that I have to also come up with the disclaimer, too, is this is the filter of me remembering it as well.
1: Right. right. I remember getting discussed more once things with Monica Lewinsky kind of hit the fan. Um, and then a lot all of the past, past stuff, started coming yeah, back. Exactly. So the skeletons in a closet. But I don't remember that being the case um, when he was running for president. So, I mean, that being said, I don't How old were we? 10, 11 years old? You know, probably. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, we were old enough to I should say that that's the first presidential election coverage that I remember watching on TV. And I remember watching, you know, George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton. Yep. Like I can distinctly remember watching them on TV and understanding that there was an election going on. And, you know, hearing my relatives argue at the dinner table on Sunday and so on and so forth. Like, this was definitely the first time that I was becoming aware of the U.S. political system. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious your guys' thoughts. Do you kind of have that same feeling, or were, were you guys more active or less active at this point in time? I'm not talking about the scandal yet. I'm just talking about the 92 um, election. Uh,
0: that's really kind of the first election. That's really kind of the first... Election, I remember, because that was Bill Clinton versus
2: George Bush. The other Bush.
0: Yeah, yeah, Elder Bush. And then uh, there was the third party candidate, H. Ross Perot. Um, And I actually do vividly remember watching one of the debates on national TV between the three of them. Um, So this is, I think, when I was kind of first becoming aware of politics
2: younger yeah. kid me only remembers Ross Perot because of his ears and the fact that he always had charts
0: he was made fun of a lot for those charts but if you actually go back and look at what he predicted he predicted like almost everything that's happened economically with like like something like 95 percent accuracy like he predicted wow. the 2008 housing uh crisis and All that, like, with eerie accuracy, like, not necessarily down to the dates or anything, but, like, he understood what he was talking about, and, you know, he was just laughed off the stage because, oh, he's this eccentric oil guy, and he's got a funny southern accent and big ears and stuff like that, but he was brilliant when it came to understanding the economics of the United States.
2: And I mean he was absolutely ruthless too. I mean, if you guys ever read On The Wings of Eagles, I mean the man paid a mercenary team to go in and free his employees that were hostages.
1: Wow. <laughs> Dang. That's crazy. Now see I, thought I you mean, said that he had a lot of shards is what I thought you said. So well,
2: that too but i know he's he. the man was absolutely ruthless in business and everything and could you be imagined being one of those oil rig workers that was taken hostage and then your boss paid a mercenary team to come save you because the u.s government doesn't negotiate with terrorists yeah, yeah. and then your boss pay you know a boss pays for a mercenary team to come get you do you leave that job in two years like what's the what's the etiquette in that scenario I yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I've had a better offer over here. Doesn't cut it, I think, <laughs> anymore. When your boss paid a mercenary team to come save your life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a hard one to top, right there. Like, what? What kind of benefits can I expect from this job? Well, you'll get, obviously, a paid vacation, a nice 401k, k, maternity leave, paternity leave, and we'll also ruthlessly kill any people who try to take over the oil rigs that you're working on. All That's right, sounds it, man. good, man. I'll take it.
1: You gotta be competitive, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, dang great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: gotta, gotta offer those perks.
2: So that was, that was a long aside, but I, I had to bring up that little tidbit about Ross Perot, because I... Can't get over how cool he actually was. But at the time, I couldn't get past his ears. And I feel like much of America felt the same way. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. unfortunately, I think he was uh, very overlooked as a candidate for how uh, intelligent he really was. But I think his
2: eccentricity definitely got in his own way. For sure. But speaking of eccentricities, uh, Slick Willie... Uh, yeah. scored the election <laughs> I, w- I was wondering
0: where you're going with that slick willy scored pause
2: <laughs> the election slick willy skilled er, sc- er, he scored everything he went his entire political career and nothing ever stuck <laughs> he's like Teflon. And to go back to, you know, to go back to Whitewater, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. But in the end, the case never went anywhere because for some reason, the other investor or the other investor was uh, committed suicide, you know, at a quite imperfect time for Ken Starr's investigation, which I think uh, kind of burned him considering that, you know, he started to investigate other aspects of Bill Clinton's life and didn't stop. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which the FBI appreciated.
1: I'm sure. Speaking of Epstein. um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. This is hard, you guys. And I mean that in a in a serious way, because this is we're joking about it, but it's a very difficult subject matter from one for the story that I'm about to continue. It's very hard to keep it PG-13 as well as this actually happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah
2: but I will stop beating around the bush and I will go back to oh wait no I will stop beating around the Clinton and I will
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were off by one president
2: <laughs> I will take us back in our narrative to 1995 government shutdown when a certain unpaid intern catches the president's eye. Ooh, la, la. Uh, So we've really only heard uh, Monica's story. Bill Clinton has never publicly given his account of what occurred outside of statements that she was flaunting herself at him, which she admits is true. But uh, during this period in which unpaid uh, interns were staffing the White House, there were multiple occasions in which Bill and Monica met alone the first time only a minute And Monica was completely infatuated with him. He was charismatic. And in her words, she was giving him or she, he was giving her the full Clinton, the public persona that we all know and love, the very charismatic man. And she became completely infatuated with him. Um, she couldn't remember the moment at which it started, but, uh, after he started to take an eye to her, uh, one day she flashed her thong at him. (laughs) And shortly thereafter, they had a private meeting and everybody says it's the Oval Office, but it was actually, I didn't know this until I was researching this topic, but apparently there's a smaller office next to the Oval Office, which is more private, where most of the presidents actually do their work. And then the Oval Office is used for like official proceedings and like ceremonial type stuff. Yeah. picture. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they met in that office privately. Uh, initially, he kissed her or she kissed him. I guess it depends on whose side of the story. And that led to a string of sexual encounters over the course of the next few years. mm mm-hmm. um, Monica Lewinsky will say that they never had sex. And Bill Clinton will say they never had sexual relations. And from what I've researched and read for both of them, that just means that they didn't have intercourse. Right. right. They pretty much did everything else.
1: <laughs> Some things even more than I knew were things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they introduced things into the uh, sexual lexicon. And that's... That's where I wanted to go next is, I don't know about you guys, but this scandal is where I learned the term fellatio. <laughs> uh, you can bleep me if you want. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> I, I did not know that was a thing at 10 years old, and I had to have that conversation with my parents after I heard it on the news and then read it online.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. That's a fun uh, thing to do with Google that, search, huh? That conversation that every parent dreams of having with their child.
2: So I'm just curious, did you guys have similar conversations with your parents? Uh, were you confused by what you were seeing in the media? Um, you know, I don't
0: really remember ever having any conversations like that uh, as a result of this. You know, I'm sure it came up at some point, but I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, my parents did not like the Clintons to begin with, so I don't think it ever really... It it didn't really come up, you know? It was just like, oh, he's just a bad dude, so... So, yeah, we never really got a birds and the BJs discussion.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As things started to hit the news, it was a topic of conversation around my household, and I was hearing things I didn't understand, and I would ask questions, and my parents would tell me, and then I would go look scared in the corner for a while, and then we would have another conversation. (laughs) But uh, long before the news media caught wind of any of this, um, other White House staffers as they returned to work post-government shutdown started to notice that Bill and Monica were meeting a little more regularly, and this is when I mentioned that Monica had been transferred to a paid position in legislative affairs, and then was shortly there sent to the Pentagon.
0: Hmm. So... Well, and can we also (laughs) point out the irony that she got sent to legal affairs?
2: Yes. (laughs) We can point out... So Monica Lewinsky is sent to work at the Pentagon in legislative affairs. Uh, She now has a paid position. And during this time, she still meets with the president one or two more times. And then from that point on, they more or less have a phone relationship. During this time, Monica befriended a woman named Linda Tripp. And Linda Tripp uh, began recording her phone conversations with Monica. And during these conversations, she gave lewd details of the affair. And it was Linda Tripp's idea to save the blue dress in case, you know, you should ever need that later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For like an upcoming, you know, social gathering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But I mean, it came up during this time. Like she was still, she was in love with Bill. She was almost of the impression that Bill was going to leave Hillary when he was done as president, and they were going to be together. She was completely infatuated um, from her per- from her side of the story. This was a mutual relationship when they were together. From other people, this was just Bill being Bill, and it was another one of his flings. But the blue dress I'm referring to is. Um, Monica had a blue dress that contained the president's...
1: hold on, hold on. Before you finish that, are
2: you sure it wasn't
1: a white and gold dress? It was definitely blue?
2: It was definitely blue.
1: Okay, sorry. That's a different Uh. pop culture reference. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, go on. I'm sorry, Paul.
2: (laughs) It looked blue to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's referring to the Facebook meme. It's not a lewd joke, Google. It. Right,
1: right. Um, <laughs> From like 2015 or something. Yeah. Yes. Look it up.
2: So <laughs> uh, okay, need to compose myself. So Monica um, had a blue dress that she saved on the advice of Linda Tripp, which was recorded in phone conversations that contained the president's ejaculate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. I, I don't want to repeat myself, and but part of me says it bears repeating because she saved a dress that contained the president's ejaculate. Yes. yes. Who saves that?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> so as a kid, I thought that was like, like a Kool-Aid stain, basically, right? You know, like once that got in a piece of fabric or something, it was never going to come out. Like I thought, like that dress was just ruined because of, uh, because of that. So I was always worried about you know myself coming of age, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> pun intended, uh, and being like, I'm just gonna ruin so many pairs of clothes and so many you know everything else because you know you can't wash that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until I was like probably 15 I realized that like oh. That definitely comes out. So she just saved that dress in like a dry cleaning bag with stains on it of the masculine sort and uh, (laughs) just left it there just in case there'd ever be a court hearing. So as I had
2: mentioned earlier, (laughs) as I had mentioned earlier, Ken Starr uh, had started investigating the Clinton after the Whitewater scandal kind of fell through. He seemed to, you know, continue to investigate the Clintons for other things. And this is where Paula Jones becomes into the picture. And she sues the president for uh, sexually harassing her in 1990, 91. It was before his presidential election. Or no, it was... Before he was elected, but during his campaign. So Paula Jones was a staffer in the Arkansas governor's office. And during the election campaign, allegedly, Bill Clinton asked to meet with her, at which point um, it was stated that he exposed himself and asked her to kiss it. Uh, That's Mm. the allegation. Um, I... I swear I'm not pausing for dramatic effect. It's just, it's, (laughs) this show took a dark turn this episode. (laughs) So after Bill Clinton is elected president and post, um, you know, post meeting Monica, but before public knowledge, uh, Paula Jones with the help of Ken Starr, uh, sues Bill Clinton, uh, for sexual harassment from the alley or, you know, um, I say allegations because they settled out of court, from what I recall. Uh, it was never proven one way or another. It was a he said, she said, and uh, but there was a very public lawsuit that required uh, congressional or congressional hearings to oversee because it involved a sitting president of the United States. Right. During this time, Linda Tripp uh, presented her tapes to Ken Starr, who gave them to the FBI for the congressional hearing. Because of this, uh, Monica Lewinsky was was named in the court documents for the lawsuit as a potential witness, which was a surprise to her and definitely Bill Clinton. (laughs) Um, Prior to her, you know or I shouldn't say prior to her testimony. So she was named as a surprise witness. Uh, She was interviewed um, about her relationship with the president and denied everything because it was not yet publicly known, or at least known to everyone involved about the Linda Tripp tapes, where she was more or less bragging about her relationship with the president. Right. And this led to the Ken Starr report. The Ken Starr report uh, was the first document that I ever looked up on the internet because my parents told me not to.
0: (laughs) The big red button. (laughs) The big red button. That's such a common thing. Uh, Mom, Dad, what does this government report say? Don't look at it. Ooh, I'm looking up that government report, getting all that dirt.
2: (laughs) So the Ken Starr report uh, was a conclusion of or his conclusion of his investigations into various scandals and it accused both Monica and Bill Clinton of perjury of lying under oath because of the testimony they gave during the Paula Jones lawsuit where they denied um, having a sexual relationship. And in the report Ken Starr transposed the Linda Tripp tapes which listed all of the lewd sex acts that they had uh committed in the white house including the infamous cigar where supposedly uh i'm trying to come up with the most pg-13 way to word this anybody want to help me with this i got nothing (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm okay so supposedly um uh bill clinton used a cigar from the oval office as a sex toy on monica Lewinsky. I think that's a very PG way to say that. <laughs> that is the that is the best way I can come up with. Yeah. I'm sweating right now. You guys can't see it, but I am actually sweating.
1: Yeah, you all can draw your own conclusions <laughs> as to where that cigar ended up. Um, but yeah. I want
2: to know if it was smoked later.
1: Oh god! <laughs> oh, god. I don't want to know that. Or if she never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we are horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So upon the uh, delivery of the Ken Starr report and me going – I remember it being a big thing because – this was at the time of the dot-com boom and the internet was coming to, fru- I shouldn't say coming to fruition, because the World Wide Web had been around for a while, but this was like the first thing that I can remember that it was released and news organizations like, you can go to this website and you can download the whole Ken Starr report and you can read it yourself. And that is exactly what I did, and it took forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've done that on several occasions recently, uh, with several government reports being released. And uh, yeah, those are mind-bogglingly long because they use a lot of legal jargon that makes everything very unclear.
2: (laughs) Yes, I just find that that's a unique moment in history, at least for me personally, because I can specifically remember my parents saying, don't do this, and then me immediately going to my room and using my computer <laughs> to dial out to space and download a report. Mom, yeah.
0: Dad, I'll be right back. What are you doing? Uh, definitely not going to look up that government report. Mom, put down the phone. <laughs> I was halfway through uh, downloading the. Uh, definitely not the Ken Starr report. <laughs>
1: Now, if the Starport would have been worth book it points and you would have gotten a uh, personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut,
0: that would have, <laughs> that would oh have been God. legit. Oh, my God. Bucket points. I forgot about those.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: That's oh. still a thing. My kids still get them.
1: That's amazing. So, I miss that this so much. Is-
2: The other thing that is memorable about downloading the Ken Star report off of the internet is that I can remember my very first internet meme, and it was called Star Wars, it was called Ken Star Wars, and it was a picture of the Star Wars A New Hope cover, and it was Ken Starr as Luke Skywalker, and Monica as Princess Leia, and Darth Vader was Bill Clinton, and the The lightsaber sword was a lit cigar, (laughs) and it was called Star Wars. Oh, gosh. Two R's. That is my very first meme. That's amazing. There might have been some before that, but that was the very first one I understood, and I was way (laughs) too young to be reading or understanding any of it. Yeah. So... During the congressional hearing and the release of the report that accused the president of perjury, this blew up into a huge, never-before-seen-level national scandal. You think what you're seeing on the news now is crazy? It was way back worse then because it was the first time and the news agencies were just learning that they could screw with people's personal lives.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, and then you have the the twenty four hour news cycle and things like that, which I guess kind of existed during the Reagan and Bush years, but it it was full blown once you got to the nineties. So you had every single news outlet, you know, local news covering it, but then also the national news like CNN and everything covering that all day it, long.
0: You know, it's important too that uh, that didn't exist during the Nixon scandal oh no kidding
1: no kidding (laughs)
0: so you're kind of seeing within a couple decades you were seeing a very big jump you know difference in okay here was the nixon scandal which obviously was bad enough that it ended with him leaving the oval office but him leaving the oval office and that wasn't even with the 24-hour news cycle that became so prevalent during the issues with uh you know, Reagan and Bush, uh, Bush and Clinton and stuff like that. So yeah, that really yeah, took yeah. it to a whole nother level once you had to start dealing with that as well.
2: So this led to a, you know, to the future in impeachment hearings, uh, based on the perjury that was committed. It led to Bill Clinton apologizing to the nation, uh, publicly on TV, but not, Specifically, our topic is Monica Lewinsky, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the lesser-known things, because we all watch that on TV, and it's all well-documented for history. But some of the things that aren't stated or aren't well-known is – so during this time – Monica is now a 22-year-old freaked out woman because she has just been contacted by the FBI and is being accused of perjury for doing something dumb in her 20s, which we all did dumb things in our 20s. And a lot of times she's made fun of, and don't get me wrong, we've the SNL during this period is some of the best in history. Oh, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> the, they used to do that running gag where they would have Bill on the phone and then Monica would call and then, uh, or no, it, my favorite one was Bill was talking to Saddam Hussein on the phone and they were laughing and joking and then Bill goes, hang on, I'm getting another call and he brings her in and uh, Saddam's like, oh, hey, Monica, I haven't seen you since Camp David and blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those. That Was that... Uh... Uh, Daryl Hammond?
2: Yes. I forget who Saddam Hussein was. It was some of the best SNL during the period.
0: Yeah, But definitely. You, know, you bring up SNL. Uh, one of the things I remember, like one of the most vivid things I remember from that is, of course, you had uh, Monica Lewinsky, who I can't remember who played her in that Uh, but then there was a series of episodes that had Linda Tripp, and I very vividly remember that being played by John Goodman, which I always thought was so crazy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it was. I forgot about that. So John Goodman was Linda Tripp, and it would always be, like, her wearing, like, your grandma style clothes, and then, um... You know, the phone, the phone on the wall would ring in the kitchen and she would pick up the corded phone and then uh, she would go, oh, hey, Monica, just a minute. And they would show her pulling out a tape recorder. Uh, Yep.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I just looked it up. It was Molly Shannon that would play Lewinsky. No kidding. Oh, man. Yep. So that must have been one of the like her early years with SNL. Um, yeah. And then Saddam Hussein was Will Farrell. Yes. yes. Yep. And then <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name was Linda Tripp? John
2: Goodman. John Goodman. John Goodman, yep. So. But back to Monica. So, Monica was approached by the FBI and uh, she was threatened with charges of perjury and she was more or less told that she was going to face, you know,. And uh, prison time and all sorts of repercussions for her actions in the congressional hearings and lawsuit during the Paula Jones scandal and uh, she was offered full immunity if she handed over all evidence of the affair and anything that would help convict Bill Clinton of perjury Mm -hmm. and that's where the blue dress came into the limelight is uh, she had to hand over the blue dress and that became public record that she had the dress and that she saved it as well as all of the other gory details of the star support or, uh, star report. So Monica went through a long period of depression. She was diagnosed with PTSD and for Four years after the scandal, she was not allowed to talk about it publicly, uh, or it would jeopardize her immunity deal. She had like a MDA kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yep. But that didn't keep her out of the public eye, and she was faced with mounting legal fees because even though she was offered an immunity deal, she wasn't initially offered that Im- immunity deal, and she accru- uh, she accrued uh, over a million dollars in legal fees. Oh gosh. So as soon as the NDA dissolved, uh, she immediately did a um, HBO special. It was part of their black and white documentary series. And she mm-hmm. did a, for lack of better terms, she did an AMA on HBO in which she let, she took audience questions and she gave all of the details. And she was paid a substantial sum for that she also um during this time when she was going through the nda and she was having problems finding a job because of her public image uh she started knitting mm-hmm. and when she was knitting uh, she would knit handbags like yes, um, she would <laughs> just you know, general style grandma handbags. And uh, she ended up coming out with her own product line of these handbags that were manufactured in Louisiana. And she had an active role in the company. And that was all to pay for her legal fees. So really, her life for a long time was, I don't want to say ruined, because, I mean, she's doing okay. But when you think about a person in their twenties going through this, and I mean, she was in love with Bill Clinton. She truly believed that he loved her and you can make the argument of this was an abuse of power and he was a charismatic figure. uh, But she has stated over and over again, this was a consensual relationship. She was not coerced into anything. So when you think about this was a private act between two consenting adults And in the end, she was shamed for it. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah
2: i right, wrong. I just want to, you know, looking back at this with 2019 vision, that's a part of the story that doesn't get brought up much. So I wanted to take a moment and just say, I mean, she had PTSD from this.
1: Yeah. And, and you can imagine why. I mean, going from yeah. someone who's like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty prestigious position to be a White House intern. But at the same time, if people saw you on the subway in D.C., no one would know you from anybody else. Um, and now all of a sudden everybody literally around the world knows who you are and lack of a better term, the, the slut shaming and things like that, that go along with that, who wouldn't feel like their life was just like crumbling before them, you know, that, that would be incredibly traumatic. Well, you especially know,
0: so. as young as she was on a national scale like that is.
2: Yeah. She was 22 years old. Yeah. When I was 22, I thought I was an adult too. Now I look back at me with, you know, now that I'm 32, I look back at me when I was 22 and I wish I could slap me.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I was dumb (laughs) as hell, man. (laughs) Dumb as hell. So, yeah.
2: Another important lesson to this is people in their 20s should never trust people older than 30 because Monica Lewinsky confided in Linda Tripp and we all see what that got her. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Right. People used to say that to me as a joke, and I'm starting to think it's true. (laughs) (laughs) But Monica struggled with PTSD and depression. Uh, She gained a fair amount of weight, which led to uh, her doing a run as the Jenny Craig spokesperson. And Jenny Craig was hit with tremendous backlash, which you said since um, since you broke the seal, I'll say it, which led to national level slut shaming, which actually ended to uh, Jenny Craig terminating her contract. She agreed to a one year deal for a million dollars. It ran for three months. They paid her three hundred thousand. And then it was uh, they ended her contract. Jesus. Um. Monica Lewinsky, you know, she receded from the public spotlight. She uh, had a handful of communications positions. She was a TV host for a reality show. Um, She had some odds and ends jobs, usually in media of some sort, but kind of stepped back from the public eye. And then she came back in 2014 and she has been an advocate of cyberbullying. And she's done a TED mm. talk about her experiences with bullying and what it would have been like if social media had been prevalent at the time that she was going through it. And she has been an advocate um, against cyberbullying and a very well spoken public speaker. I highly recommend that you check out her series.
1: I definitely will. I, I had no idea, but that totally makes sense because, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about how different the world is now, now that we have social media everywhere. Um, and anything that you say on social media is literally, that's something that the rest of the world has forever, you know? Um, yes. And, and you can see that now with whether it's Kevin Hart at the Oscars, whether it's, you know, a politician saying something or, you know, I mean, a- anything can be pulled back up from... Ten years ago, well, you even look it, at you know,
0: the uh, slate of, and it kind of goes along with uh, Kevin Hart, but the slate of um, either entertainers or athletes or whatever, where like something big will happen, and then all of a sudden, like someone digs up an old Facebook comment or an old, um, you know, tweet or something like that, and all of a sudden. It's like, oh, gosh, like, look at what this person said, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And, yeah, it's it's interesting. It really has kind of brought up a whole new issue within society, which is, as you said, you have these tweets from, you know, it could be 10 years ago or whatever, that all of a sudden come back to haunt you uh, that, like, most people probably forgot about. And just because you uh, all of a sudden achieved a little bit of fame or whatever. Someone goes back and digs those up and yeah, it's interesting. It's a very unique situation that's occurred all of a sudden.
2: Yeah. But I I just have to say that um, I highly recommend that you check out her Ted talks and some of her advocacy work and that, I'm, I hope that history does not only remember her for this scandal. While it is historically important, because it was a lot of firsts, especially for our generation that lived it on TV, um, you know, she is more than that.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that is something that tends to stick with you and is kind of hard to shake as, you know... Identifier, especially when that's the first really big thing that she was known for right yeah so it's unfortunate but that you know that has stuck
2: with her for you know 20 odd years at this point so i've brought up some of my memories as we've gone along about watching it on tv and asking my parents uncomfortable questions do you guys have any Uh, memories from this time period that you want to bring up or anything that resonates with you to this day
0: you know i just remember it being really like in the cultural zeitgeist at the time like everything revolved around this whole scandal and stuff like that and uh, i just kind of really like the biggest thing i remember is just that kind of era Of like everything going on and, you know, hearing these names like Lewinsky and Kenneth Starr and Linda Tripp and all that uh, for all these months as all of this was unfolding. And, you know, for us, we were, you know, probably what, like somewhere around 10, like maybe a little bit before 10, something like that when all this was going on.
2: It would have started when we were 10, but it was still getting the media up to through 98, 98, 99, because of the impeachment hearings. And it got, you know, the affair would get brought up all the way to the end. Right,
0: right.
1: I mean, it still gets brought up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: but it was just interesting, I guess, because it was our first real big political scandal from when we would have been old enough to you know, know what was going on and and be a part of that as opposed to, like, we would have been alive during the Iran-Contra affair issues and stuff like that under Reagan and some of the stuff under Bush, but we would have been way too young to really understand that. So this was kind of the first big incident to really, you know, bring us into politics or kind of uh, really bring politics to the forefront for like our age group i also do remember that uh there was a (laughs) there was a uh uh, these guys will remember hopefully some of our listeners remember a amazing pizza place down the road from us called Maria's pizza oh yeah yeah It uh existed probably about two miles down the road from where the three of us grew up and uh was a hangout spot and delicious pizza place, uh, for a lot of the people in our age group. But, uh, in that same strip mall, there used to be this great bagel place. And I remember going in there and they had quotes all over the wall and stuff like that. And I still remember to this day, the only quote I remember being in there, like very specifically was define is by Bill Clinton <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was that was from the uh, Bill Clinton impeachment. He was being questioned, and uh, someone asked him a question along the lines of, "Is it true that you said this or you did this or whatever it was?" And his response to that was, "Defined is." And I was like, "Damn, that's some lawyer talk right there." <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that is, that is a technicality right there.
2: <laughs> Fair. Any thoughts, Brian?
1: Um, no, I mean, kind of my only thoughts was what I already mentioned is that I had a lot of misinformation about whether or not semen would come out of clothes. So, um, <laughs> I remember that being a high point of distress for me in my early teen years. So, <laughs> um oh. But yeah, that's about all that I, I really remember. You know, like I said earlier, m- neither of my parents were terribly big Clinton fans to begin with. So there wasn't really much of a discussion um, because they didn't want him to be president to begin with. So one more reason to like get him out. Um, and I think yeah. that they were pretty. Um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? I guess prudish kind of about it, you know, because it was like, oh, you know, he cheated on his wife is basically what it came down to. And it's like yeah. there was no details about cigars and, you know, probably random other occurrences and stuff, you know, that that didn't really uh, get discussed in our house. So,
2: well, God bless the Internet.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know about that until probably a couple of <laughs> years later, like once we got to like middle school and, and those things were discussed more openly.
2: But yeah, anyway. I, I do remember uh, some lewd jokes going around when we were in sixth grade. <laughs> I remember lots of lewd jokes about it that I was too afraid to admit that I didn't understand <laughs> until years later. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think that uh, wraps up the topic of Monica Lewinsky. When I originally set out to do this episode, I had planned to talk about the jokes and the SNL and the pop culture aspect of it. And then as I did research in it, it just did not feel fair to her as a person because that's already been covered as we lived it. So I felt like I needed to talk more about the story behind the scenes. And I hope our audience appreciates that aspect of it and i'm sorry if you came to be entertained and we talked about sexual misconduct and jenny craig (laughs) (laughs) uh
0: so i guess that wraps up our discussion on monica Lewinsky. now we're going to move on to
2: nostalgia 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 combat Nostalgia. nostalgia combat I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will lead their chat next week. Adam has Firefly, which I believe he still hasn't watched. <laughs> Start the shaming. Shame. 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 <laughs> shame.
1: Or the shame wizard. <laughs>
2: And Brian has that sitcom where everyone knows your name. Cheers!
1: Da-da-da-da-da-da-da.
2: All right. So, my trivia question, since our current episode was baked in scandal, what percentage of U.S. presidents haven't been involved in a sex scandal of one form or another?
1: How many have or have not?
2: How many have? Have. Does this, uh... This is any
0: time, like, in their... Any time in history. So, okay, and it...
2: From George Washington to Donald Trump.
0: Right, but I I just mean, like, only when they were in uh, the White House or any time in their career they were... uh... Sitting president. Okay.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna say... 69%. (laughs)
2: 69%. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. <laughs> if he's going to pick that one, then I have to go with
0: 420%. Um, 420%? Oh, yeah. um,
2: Come on, give me a real number. I know, I know. I
0: just, I had to make the joke since he picked that number. <laughs> I had to go with the other one. Um, I am going to guess... I'm going to guess
2: 35 percent you are almost spot on (laughs) oh man 16 presidents which comes out to be what 36 percent 35 repeating i always say i hate doing mental math and here i am doing it on air again So 16 someone check my math divided by 16 presidents
1: yeah 35.5 repeating oh dang Look at you, Adam! Big old brain on your head.
2: Yeah, got them big old brains. <laughs> and as we come to the end of the episode, I won't name them in order, but if you Google presidential sex scandals, you will find quite the list. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, I found to be the most interesting.
0: Yes, well, that one's oh,
2: right yes, well
0: known
1: with uh, Miss Sally Hemings, and then. Uh, yes. Which, which president was it? It was someone in the early 20th century that had some really scandalous letters that were shared at a bunch of museums, like, within the last five years.
0: Uh, um, was that Harding? Harding?
1: I think it might have been Harding. It was either, yeah, yeah. It was either Harding or Arthur. I, yeah, I think it's Harding.
2: Both were on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I believe he like, had some, like...
1: He had, like, the predecessors of sexting that was all basically shared yeah. <laughs> public display at like 20 different museums around the country
0: i can't, like i don't know for sure but i could see it being harding because there's a theory uh he he died right before the teapot dome scandal broke uh but they said like he died on a train coming back from like colorado or something like that i want to say And they said he died Mm. of pneumonia or something like that, but um, a lot of people believe that he was poisoned by his wife because he was having a bunch of affairs, and she got mad and poisoned him.
1: I think John Oliver talked about this in a past episode of last week tonight. Oh, really? Um, So if you get a chance, yeah, it is. I'm just looking it up right now. It definitely was Harding, and he had some steamy love letters to his mistress, and they (laughs) are... They are suggestive.
2: <laughs> and Monica Lewinsky was a guest on Last Week Tonight, and I highly recommend the episode.
1: I don't I don't know if I've seen that episode. I'll have to check that out. It's this season. Yeah, I, I've not been catching up. i got to do that.
0: So speaking of uh, Warren G. Harding, do you guys know what the G stands for? This is one of my favorite pieces of presidential trivia.
2: No, I have no idea. Gonorrhea. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Although it would have fit his personality, apparently. No, it was Gamliel. G A M L I E L. Warren Gamliel Harding.
2: I'm glad you spelled it because that was going to be my very first yeah. question. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. That, that's right up there with uh, Do you know what Harry S. Truman's middle name was? Shit. No. <laughs> was S- it just S? Yep. Yeah, it
1: was just asked. Yeah, I thought so. Yep. Yeah, it's just an initial.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Boom shakalaka. There you go. There's your little bit of canalage for this week. righty. Alright, so there you have it. I will be leading you through the land of Firefly next time. I should probably watch that show, shouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> the, no rush. <laughs> the loser... Brian still has cheers in your pocket. Uh, we will not be going to the Hopper this week as this ends Paul's 2019 season and we'll have some exciting new stuff coming in 2020. Oh, I'm very sad because I already went to the Hopper and pulled out Battle
1: Toads, Magic School Bus, and the musical Rent. So, oh, wow.
0: Very I have the soundtrack
2: to rent in my car. That's <laughs> I'm really not a glad joke I don't either. have
0: the soundtrack to rent in my car.
2: Santa Fe from Rent is my ultimate I'm stuck in traffic rage song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I just can't listen to that song 525,000 minutes anymore. I've heard it way too many times being a choir person, and I just can't listen to it anymore without going into a fit of rage.
2: <laughs> well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> it's just an iPod
0: with that song on in an endless shuffle. <laughs> oh, god.
2: 5,000 well, times.
0: 525,000 times. Thank you very much. <laughs> or 525,600? I... You're asking the wrong person. I've only seen the show once. It's been a long time.
2: So I've never actually seen it. Wow.
0: Yeah, I know
2: what we're doing for Christmas.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go with a hard pass on that.
2: Fair.
1: Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. Be sure to turn in in two weeks when Adam's going to be discussing Firefly. And in future episodes where I'll be discussing Cheers um, we'll also be likely doing some type of holiday special episodes in December so be on the lookout for those and um, yeah we'll have a whole bunch of exciting new stuff between Adam, Paul and myself for 2020. So thanks again guys and uh have a wondrous day.
0: And if you like what... You heard there's always more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've We've got got mail.
2: Mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback. Oh
1: yeah. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at dating ourselves podcast, and we do the Twitter thing too at dated podcast.
2: And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Enjoy your cigars, everyone. <laughs> Bye. See ya.